Glory to God who has given us salvation in his Son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Sorry about the curveball with the psalm. The choir rehearsed the wrong psalm, and so we had to read it today. It just shows how Anglicans are, though. You do anything out of the ordinary, what, 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 what's going on, you know? And uh, so anyway, we made it through. Now listen carefully to the sermon today. I'm going to quote some great, great uh, people from history, both in the church and secular history. Uh, St. John Chrysostom, one of the greatest early church fathers. Um, uh, John Wesley, a great evangelist of the 18th century. Daniel Webster, and Deacon Bob. (laughs) A few weeks ago, Christine and I, having received a wonderful gift from our church family last Christmas to take an overnight away, took that overnight uh, on our wedding anniversary, our 11th wedding anniversary. And uh, the person who stayed uh, overnight with the children we left an, uh, an envelope of $80 for that person. Because if you take kids to the movies these days, it, it costs you a small mortgage, you know. And so we didn't know what she had planned for the children, and we didn't want her to have to spend out of her own wallet. And so anyway, uh, everything was lovely. Everything went just beautifully. Um, and last week, I called the person, and I said, I just want to be sure that the $80 was enough. Of course, on the other side of the phone, I'm like, please let it be enough. But I, I, you know, I just want to make sure because I know how expensive, expensive it is to, when you take uh, children out. And the, and the woman said to me, oh, that evening was my gift to you. I left the $80 on the counter. Oh, did you? Thank you. Sarah and Rebecca! The two came down, and they began with the question that they often ask, are we in trouble? And I said, at least one of you is. And so I explained it, and I said, who took the $80? And little Rebecca very bravely stepped forward. I thought she was going to say Sarah did it. But she stepped forward, and she said, I took the $80. Does anyone remember Dragnet? Remember at the end of Dragnet, the guy that he was always, always looking very remorseful? Well, this was Becca. I took the $80. So I said, go upstairs and get the $80. So she did. She went upstairs. She got the $80. She brought it down. She opened her little purse. It was very cute. And she took out the $80. And I must have had the look on my face like, here comes the speech. You know, the ones where we all said to our parents, just... Just spank us, to spare us the speech, you know that one? And, um, I was, and she says, Dad. And I said, what, Becca? She goes, before you say anything, I want you to know why I took the $80. And I said, okay, Becca, why did you take the $80? Because I wanted it. <laughs> oh, well then. But isn't that uh, a good analogy of how we all are, if we're honest? The struggles we have in life with God's word 
and with God's desire for our life is that we often desire things apart from him and apart from his will. And it, we, if we're honest with ourselves, why do, we, why do we move towards sin? If we're honest, it's because we want to. We want to. There's something in us that desires something that is contrary to what God desires for us. Our, our spirit, our flesh, wills against the will of God. And that's why Rebecca did all that, so that you would have the analogy, right? So, I want to look today. So, I want to look today at the epistle, Saint Paul's letter to the Ephesians. If you want to follow along, it's it's in the handout. Paul begins this particular section by saying, "Finally, be strong in the Lord, and in." the strength of his might. So where are we to find our strength? In the midst of this world, as we struggle to walk according to God's word and not according to the desires of our flesh, the world, or the devil, where are we to find our strength? Our strength is in the Lord. It is not in ourselves but in Jesus Christ. He is our strength. He is our rock. He is our foundation. If we rely on ourselves, we are certain to fall. But note that it is in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It is not enough to simply be followers of Jesus and his teachings. We must be, as God's people, partakers in the life of Jesus. We must share in his life, and in doing so, share in his strength and his might. And how is it that we share in the life and person of Jesus Christ? Well, we do so whenever we are strengthened and nourished by the presence of our Lord through the fellowship of his holy church. Right now, we are gathered in fellowship, in Greek koinonia, a most intimate fellowship with one another and with the Lord. This is one of the differences between Catholic Christianity and Protestant Christianity. In Anglicanism... We understand in our, in, in our Catholic ecclesiology, our understanding of the church, that we are not many individuals coming together to form an assembly. The Greek word assembly, ecclesia, church. We are the church. And whenever we are together, Christ is present in a very special way. When two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in their midst. And so we also share in him when we open our hearts to the power and authority of God's word. How often do we open our hearts and our minds to things of this world, in the things we listen to, in the things we view, in the things we hear, in the things we share 
with others. When we gossip. Do you know who the biggest gossiper is in the whole church, by the way? You all lean in. I love it. That's gossip right there. See, we're easily in Who's he going to say? Who's he going to say? Don't worry, I wasn't going to rat you out, man. I was, <laughs> right? Um, we, we have to open our hearts to the power of God's word and allow the power and authority of the word of God into our hearts to take root within us and to bear fruit in our lives. In doing so, we become partakers in Jesus, who is the word of God. So we encounter him in the fellowship of the church and in the word of God and in the sacrament of his body and blood. We literally receive Jesus into ourselves that he may dwell in us and what? We in him. John chapter 6. So we are to share in Jesus, not just be followers of Jesus and his teachings. We must be partakers in the life of Jesus. Therefore, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Trust not in yourself. Trust not in the wisdom of this world. Trust not in the ways of the flesh or the devil, but trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his strength and in his might. It goes on to say, put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because our flesh is weak. Our flesh is weak. And so we must be covered in the whole armor of God. Why? Because if there's any part of us that is not covered in the armor of God, that's going to be the weak spot where the devil will attack. Everyone has a weak spot, right? Uh, Becca, again, you tickle her right here, and she's, you know, just crumbles down. That's her weak spot if you tickle her right there. Of course, it's mine too. I think it's a lot of people's, but, right? We all have weak spots. The enemy is going to go after the weak spot. So we can get us. So we must not just simply put on some things of the Lord's armor. We must be covered in the armor of the Lord. For our flesh is weak, but he is strong. And then we will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I looked up the word wiles um, after having read uh, the writing of St. John Chrysostom on this particular passage. And he led me to Daniel Webster. Wiles, a trick, a strategy meant to fool, to trap, and to entice. An artful and beguiling behavior, deceitful, cunning, trickery, to lure one away. That is the weapon of the enemy. The wiles of the enemy is that he attempts to trick us. He has a strategy that is meant to fool, trap, and entice us. He is an artist at it, beguiling us, deceitful and cunning, to lure us away from the Lord and from his word, and to shift our focus away from our Lord 
Jesus Christ. My dear church family, do not let him do so. He is very skilled at this. But we must become skilled in focusing our hearts every day on the Lord Jesus Christ. We must find that we are in Him and in His strength and might will we trust. We must be able to stand against the deceitful cunning of the devil. Paul goes on to say, for we are not contending against flesh and blood. No, we are contenders for the kingdom of God and against the kingdom of darkness. We are not to be adversaries with one another. For all of us are fallen and broken and we stumble along in this life. And none of us is greater than anyone else. There's a great equality among God's people as we stand together at the cross of Jesus, for we are all broken. We all fall infinitely short of attaining the holiness of God, and yet we have another equality in that we are loved by God and we are washed in his righteousness and robed in the righteousness of our King, Jesus Christ. We must realize in the church that enemies, true enemies, do not come in the form of flesh and blood. Enemies come from the powers of darkness. And Paul goes on to say it's against these, these principalities, these powers, the rulers of this world, of this present darkness against the spiritual hosts of wickedness that we are contending. And principalities and powers and rules, rulers, um, these are all types of angels who have fallen. Again, he says, therefore, take the whole armor of God, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. We are to gird our loins with truth. Whose truth? The truth of Jesus. We are to gird our loins with truth, not the truth of this world, not the truth as we understand it, but the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the truth of the one who said, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. We are to gird our loins in his truth and to put on the plate, breastplate of righteousness. Whose righteousness? His righteousness. For we have no righteousness of our own. One of the, the first vestment that a priest or bishop or deacon puts on is the alb as a sign that we are washed in the blood of the Lamb. We are robed in the righteousness of Jesus. For we have no righteousness of our own. So we are to gird our loins with his truth and we are to put on the breastplate of his righteousness. 
and having shod your feet, Paul says, with the equipment of the gospel of peace. That is the good news of peace. Now, this is the type of peace that you get in the midst of the battle. This isn't peace where there is no battle. This is the peace of God which passeth all understanding that enables us to keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of him and of his son, Jesus Christ. That is the peace that is the good news of the gospel. For we are in the midst of the wilderness. We are in the midst of a great battle. The war is over. When was the war ended? No, the war is over. The cross. Good job. What do you guys do these days? Like something like this? Okay, that's cool. All right. The war is over. It ended on the cross. But the battle for every individual soul rages on. And so we are in the midst of, a, of the battle. But there is good news for us in that we have the peace of Christ, the calm in the midst of the storm. For we trust not in ourselves, but in him and in his strength and might. We have girded our loins with his truth. We have placed upon us the breastplate of his righteousness. Therefore, we know his peace. Paul goes on to say, besides all these, we are to take up the shield of faith. The shield of faith. With which we can quench all the darts of the evil one. The shield of faith. Not our faith in God, but the faith of Jesus. See, so many people think that to have faith is to have your own individual faith and trust in the Lord. No, when we take the faith into our hearts, we take the faith of Jesus who trusts in his Father into our hearts. And that faith becomes ours personally. I think you did a paper on that difference. The faith. He goes on to say that we are to put on the helmet of salvation and that we are to be in the Word of God, for the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit, and that we are to pray, and that we are to keep alert with all perseverance, and that we are to proclaim the mystery of the gospel boldly. Boldly. Now, to whom is he writing when he says, boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel? Is he writing just to the bishops of the church or the priests of the church? No, he is writing to the people of God. Our lives must become a bold proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the midst of a world that so desperately needs him. We must tell people that our strength is not found in ourselves, but in the Lord and in the strength of his might. That we trust not in ourselves, but that we trust in God. And that we are in the midst of a battle against one who is cunning, against one who seeks to beguile us, to trick us and to lure us away. For he goes on to say that we are ambassadors. But how can we be ambassadors? Firstly, John Wesley tells us that in our wrestling with the enemy against principalities and powers, against the mighty princes of all the infernal legions of hell, 
and great is their power, he warns. He goes on to say that we must prevail against them, for they oppose that which is of the Lord, faith, love, holiness. And they attempt to infuse in God's people unbelief, pride, idolatry, malice, envy, anger, and hatred. No, it's from these things that we must turn. And it's to the Lord that we must turn. And it's in him that we must trust in the midst of the battle. But as we clothe ourselves in the armor of God, and now I get to Deacon Bob who shared this with me yesterday, as we clothe ourselves outwardly in the armor of God, if there is no inward change, then the armor becomes simply a mask that we put on. We must allow the truth of Jesus, the word of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus that we put on in the outer armor to sink deep within our hearts, to bring about a change in us so that what people see within us is far greater than the armor they see on the outside. We are to become inwardly, inwardly, the people of God, trusting not in ourselves, but in him. For we are ambassadors. Now, an ambassador goes to a foreign land and brings with him the authority of the one who has sent him. He represents the kingdom and the king from which he has come when he goes in to a foreign land. We are the ambassadors of the kingdom of God in this world. We go into enemy territory to bring the message of the king. We come not on our own authority, but with the authority of the living God into this world. The authority of the living God, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we represent not ourselves, but him and his kingdom. For we have no message of our own to proclaim, but the message of the king. We have no authority of our own upon which to rely, but the authority of our king. And so we go into the world, into our schools, into our workplace, into the streets, into our homes, into our neighbors' homes, into the stores. Wherever we go, we go as ambassadors of Christ, representing him in his kingdom, going with his authority, trusting not in ourselves but in his strength and in his might having no truth of our own but his truth, having no righteousness of our own but his righteousness. And it's with that that we go into the world, always remembering that our enemy is not flesh and blood. For everyone who has ever hurt you in this world, everyone who has ever sinned in this world, 
are persons whom the Lord Jesus desires to know his word and to come home to him. He wants them rescued, not destroyed. He doesn't want to leave them in the other land. He wants them to be brought home. And so they are persons like us, loved by God, persons for whom he died and rose, and persons who are just as fallen and broken and stumbling. And so our our fight is not with one another, but against the kingdom of darkness. So for any of you who secretly growing up, uh, probably more than men here, who wanted to be Rocky Balboa, you get to be a contender. In this corner we have this contender, except you are contending not against Mr. T, not against Drago, thank God, but against the kingdom of darkness. All of us, though. All of us. What an incredible thing given to us to be chosen as ambassadors. Could you imagine if, if I announced today, and this is not true, by the way, that, that Christine will be leaving Raytheon because she has been chosen to be the ambassador of the United States of America to, let's send her somewhere safe, Canada. <laughs> right? I mean, you would be impressed, wouldn't you? Well, Christine, I mean, that's wonderful. She's going to be the ambassador representing the president in our United States of America. Well, far greater than that. You and I have been chosen to be ambassadors for the kingdom of God, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come with his authority. May this be our focus as a church. May this be our mission and our vision. For we carry the greatest treasure in all the universe, the gospel of peace in Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.